This is Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, a place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. My name is Kent, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and I'm really delighted that you're here with us today. Um, I want you to think for just a moment about what, what you're good at, what you're good at. Everybody's good at something, right? And I want you to turn to your neighbor or turn to someone who's sitting nearby you and tell them something you're good at, okay? Go ahead and talk about that for a second. Something you're good at. I, uh, it, sounds like, it sounds like we got some skills in the room. Um, something I'm good at, and I actually am good at it, and I like doing it, I like to dig holes. And I'm good at digging holes, so if you ever need a hole dug, give me a call. I can help you out with that. I don't know if I'm good at doing outlines, but I have for years done outlines of messages that we're preaching, and I don't know if you knew this or not, but we always have an outline available for your use back on the tables right before you come in the room. And we were passing them out today because we're going to highlight these over the next few weeks. There's not only an outline on the front, on the back there's a, a prayer guide with um, some verses and some spaces for you to use this. And we're going to use this a little bit later in the service. So if you have not yet gotten one of these or one that you can at least share with someone sitting next to you, feel free to get up right now and go back. Jim's actually back there. Raise your hand. He'll bring you one. He'll bring you an outline give it to you. So... Um, we're starting a new series today on apostolic prayers, and uh, the first one we're going to look at is in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 15 through 18, and that's actually on the back of the handout, or you can open up your Bible or open up your phone. It's really great if you want to just follow along and keep that open throughout this message because we're going to be referring to those verses a lot. Ephesians 1, 15 through 18. Before we read this together, though, I want to offer you this prayer. May the Lord be with you. Ephesians 1.15 For this reason I, too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in all the saints. This is God's word and it's true and we can rely on it. Before we dig into this though, I thought with the starting of a new series, it might be a good time to do a little review and see what you've learned about prayer so far. We've been talking about prayer since the beginning of the year, so I thought it would be a good time for a little pop quiz. So I'm going to give you this quiz. It has five items on it. I'm going to give them to you, and I'm going to ask you to just tell me if this prayer that I'm giving you is a good prayer or a bad prayer, okay? Good prayer or a bad prayer. Okay, the first prayer is this. It says, Dear God, Mom tells me that you have a reason for everything on earth. I guess broccoli is one of your mysteries. <laughs> good prayer or bad prayer? Make a mental note. What do you think? Okay. Second one. Dear God, 
please forgive me for hiding my sister's favorite doll and please don't tell her where it is. <laughs> Good prayer or bad prayer? Mm, okay. Prayer number three. Dear God, I need you to make my dad not allergic to cats. I really want a cat and I really don't want to ask dad to move out. <laughs> Good prayer or bad prayer? Okay. Number four, dear God, please don't let it rain on Saturday. The first ball I hit is for you. Good prayer or bad prayer? What do you think? Okay, these are definitely kids' prayers, these first batch, but this last one's definitely an adult prayer. Number five, dear God, give me coffee to change the things that I can't change and wine to accept the things I can't. <laughs> and I know some of you have prayed this prayer, I'm, I'm sure. Is that a good prayer or a bad prayer? Okay, here's where I'm going to come down on all of this. We've talked from the beginning that prayer is about conversation with God. And I'm going to suggest that anything we can do to enhance our conversation with God is a good prayer. If we're turning to God, if we're looking to Him, if we're responding to Him, if we're telling God what's on our hearts, this is a good prayer. That's where I'm going to go for now. We started this whole journey uh, the first couple of weeks of January with this very simple prayer. Lord, teach me to pray. Good prayer or bad prayer? Yeah, that's a really good prayer. Lord, teach me to pray. And then we spent many weeks examining Jesus' answer to his disciples when they asked him that, which is a thing we call the Lord's Prayer. And we prayed here. You missed it in the first service. It was so phenomenal because they talked about this in the children's sermon and there was a little girl named Larley who like did the whole Lord's Prayer. It was like the most amazing thing. This is a great prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Good prayer? Yeah, that's a great prayer. And it comes right out of Scripture. Matthew 6 um, is where we find that prayer. And then during the season of Lent, we shifted gears a little bit to look at the prayers of Jesus and what kind of things he prayed about. And a lot of those prayers then shifted toward prayers of lament. And you'll remember that lament is like a complaint. Anytime something in this world is not the way we want it to be, then we, we turn to lament. Uh, we say, God, set things right. God, fix this. God, do something about this. That's prayers of lament. And so I'm going to suggest that for most of the first quarter as we've looked at prayer, we've been looking at prayers that fall into a particular category, and I name this category reactive prayers. Reactive prayers are prayers that are, respond to our circumstance or in response to something that's happened to us, and they usually fall into these three categories. Help, like something bad has happened, so we cry out, God, help! It's a reactive prayer to my circumstances. Or something really good has happened, we recognize that we're blessed people, and so we respond and we cry out to God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this, for this blessing, for, for meeting me, for, for giving me what I hoped for. And then the third reactive kind of prayer is when you catch a glimpse of God and who God is and you go, wow, God is great. 
God is awesome. His character is amazing. His provisions are wonderful. And so these are three reactive kind of prayers. Help, thanks, wow. And these are all really good prayers if you're praying these. They kind of just come flowing out of us at times because we can't help, we can't hold them back. And I mean, if you're looking for a little bit more on those kinds of prayers, we have our resource table back there with books about prayer and resources for prayer. My recommendation on that table is a little book that is called Help, Thanks, Wow is the title of the book. It's by Anne Lamott. She talks a lot more about these kind of these prayers that just come flowing out of us. It's a really fun read, and it's a little tiny book. So if you're interested in that, they're back there uh, in the lobby. So all prayers might in some way be reactive prayers because ultimately we're responding to the work of God. God's at work always, we think, and he's always the initiator of things. And the more we grow, though, the more natural prayer becomes. And then sometimes we start to pray prayers that don't flow out of an immediate circumstance or an immediate reaction to something in the world, but that they come out of our desire to grow, our desire to become better disciples. And we've said throughout this series that our hope is that we're going to become people who pray better, that we pray better prayers, that we, we pray more often, that our prayers have deeper meaning or more significance to us. So we move kind of beyond reactive prayers to another kind of prayer. But before we do that, I just want to tell you all how much I appreciate being part of a congregation that is interested in prayer. It has been a wonderful beginning to this journey this year, and I've had more people come up to me more often with comments about, this has been helpful for me, this is how it's changed my prayer, this is how I've grown in prayer, can you tell us some more about this kind of thing? That, that I don't know if I've ever been part of a community that prays more than you do. And I'm just deeply grateful for that. I've never been part of a staff that prays as much as our staff prays, part of leadership teams, part of groups, small groups that pray so much. So it's just a, it's a real blessing for me to be part of a community that's praying. I've heard a couple of things that um, are driving this series. The first thing is this, that there's still a very high interest in prayer, that we are the kind of people who want to know more we want to try to figure out more about what this means, that we're curious about prayer. And we are the kind of people who still have a little bit of angst about prayer. We have some anxiety about it. So I still hear this kind of feedback from people uh, quite frequently, that we're uncertain sometimes about what we should pray or how we should pray it, what words we should use. Do our prayers make any difference? Is God really listening? Does it matter when we pray? Um, we have some questions about kind of the mechanics of prayer and how it works, but also some deeper questions about unanswered prayer and what happens when we pray something and it doesn't seem like God hears us or doesn't seem like he answers us. So these two things are driving this particular series. We thought we would do specific study of a handful of prayers of the apostles for the purpose of continuing to grow our interest in prayer to satisfy some of that curiosity we have about other kinds of prayer and to relieve some of our angst by saying, well, here's a specific tool, here's something that we can learn from that will help us become better prayers. And I'll, I'll pitch one other resource that we've just made available today, and it's a little booklet that looks like this. These are also on the tables right outside the door. Um, this, we're not going to cover all the prayers of the apostles in this series, but this little booklet has a bunch of the prayers of the apostles 
and then a little like, it's like a workbook, so you can read through the prayers and then start to pray them. So I highly recommend that you grab that, and if we run out, we might run out today, they'll be out there for the whole month, so you can pick one up at some point. Okay, so we're going to do the prayers of the apostles, and I'm going to suggest that these fall into a new category of prayers. These are not reactive prayers that come mostly out of our circumstance or out of a situation that we're in. These are proactive prayers. And a proactive prayer says, I am going to look to the future and I'm going to listen to God's promises and I'm going to trust that God's promises are going to be true. And I'm going to begin to pray now for God's promises to unfold in my life or in the life of somebody that I love in the future. That's what I mean by proactive prayer. We're saying that we want to grow, we want to go deeper, we want to know more of God. So we're going to pray proactively that God will show up and start doing this kind of work in our lives. So they're focused on what's coming in the future, and they're focused on God has already promised that this kind of work is going to happen, and now we're just trusting God in his promises to to do that. And this pattern of prayers begins, I think, with the apostles. And we actually see it right after the resurrection of Christ, right after he's met with the disciples a few times, he's appeared to them. And then in Acts 1, we get this interesting description. Jesus comes to the disciples again and he says to them in Acts 1, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. So the disciples after the resurrection, you know, you can understand they're kind of like geeked out and excited, like, oh, we should maybe get going and do something now about the resurrection Jesus. And Jesus says, well, wait, here. And look to God's promised gift. And this is exactly what the apostles do. They stay in Jerusalem, and they go to this room where they've been saying, this upper room, and then Acts 1.14 tells us what they did when they got into the room. Acts 1.14 says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. So Jesus has said, God is going to do some amazing things. I promise you. Wait. And while they're waiting, they pray constantly. These are proactive prayers saying God is coming to do a new work and we believe his promises, so we're going to start praying for that. Now, throughout the letters uh, in the New Testament, especially Paul's letters, we see that these proactive prayers are given some kind of uh, flesh. Well, first I should say this. We dipped our toe into this just last week. If you were here, you heard Steve give this fantastic sermon about resurrection prayer. That was a proactive prayer sermon. He's saying the same power that was there to raise Christ from the dead, that same power is available for you right now. So pray. God, bring your resurrection power here. That's the kind of proactive prayer we're talking about. And we see the same thing lived out with the disciples in the letters they write to the New Testament. So we're going to focus on the one this morning, Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to look at just one verse for now, Ephesians 1, 17. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Now this is a specific proactive prayer that Paul prays to say, I want you, my brothers and sisters, my friends in Ephesus, I want you to know Christ more. Is that a good prayer or a bad prayer? That's a good prayer. When's the last time you prayed a prayer like that? I recognize that I often am praying reactive prayers. I'm in the middle of a busy life with a lot of chaos, and I say, God, help me. God, help the people that I care about. 
And then I recognize that provision, and so I say, thank you, God. That was great. You did a good thing. You're awesome. I pray help, thanks, and wow prayers a lot. I am learning to pray proactive prayers like this that say, hey, help the people I know love Christ more. Help them to know Christ in all of his fullness. This is what Paul is praying about in this particular prayer. He wants them to know the riches of God's glory. He wants them to know that they can grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now we could turn to dozens of passages in the New Testament that talk about this promise of what God wants to give to all of us as his believers. I'm thinking of the verse that says, if you abide in me, you will have life. And if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. We pray this promise, God, help me abide. Help my loved ones abide. Help our congregation abide so that they can bear fruit. Galatians 2.22, that I've been crucified with Christ, but it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. God, help Christ to live in me. Let me to know his fullness. Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. God, complete the work that you've started. That in Christ we are new creations. God, make your new creation obvious. Shape and mold us to be your new creations. These are all proactive prayers that are saying the same thing. God, we want to know the spirit of wisdom and of revelation of the knowledge of Jesus. That's what we want. And we're praying for that. For ourselves, for our kids, for our grandkids, for our neighbors, for our friends, that people would come to know this. Paul prays this kind of prayer constantly. In fact, it's interesting to me when I read through the prayers in the New Testament, especially Paul, he, he hardly ever prays for things like, God, give them security. God, keep them healthy. God, help them in this time of trouble. God, deliver them. God, protect them. He doesn't pray those kinds of prayers. And if you look back in the history of the church, you go, well, that first century was a much less secure than our time right now. Much more dangerous. Much greater risk of persecution. Much greater risk of disease and sickness and ill health. I mean, this was a dangerous time to live. And this isn't the kind of thing Paul is praying about for his people. He's praying, God, help them know you. Help them trust in Christ. Help them follow Christ. The Spirit of God is at work in them, and he believes that the Spirit is present from the moment of conversion to help seal them into their walk with God. And this is described if you just jump up ahead in the verse 13 and 14 of Ephesians 1. Then by the time he gets to verse 15, he like describes how this sealing can happen. Well, they can know more. They can have this wisdom and this revelation of who you are. He's not asking the Father to give them the Holy Spirit. They've already got that. He's asking the Holy Spirit to work in a particular way so that they will understand more deeply, more fully, more completely the faith that they already have. This is the kind of proactive prayer that Paul is praying. God, help them know Jesus as you promised. Now we recognize the importance of this prayer because we know that we are people who need help to understand. We maybe don't even recognize the spiritual kind of battle that goes on with our growing deeper in our faith, that there is an enemy and he wants to feed us lies. He wants us to stop believing. And that if we're left to our own natural devices, we just, we can't understand it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit available to help us understand it. I really liked what um, John Calvin said about this. 
He was a, a preacher and Bible scholar. He said this, Till the Spirit has become our instructor, all that we know is folly and ignorance. I always like the way he doesn't mince around. You know what? Left to your own, you're not going to get to the truth. None of us will. We get to folly and ignorance. That's what we get to on our own. Till the Spirit of God has made it known to us, the knowledge of our divine calling exceeds the capacity of our own minds. So we cry out, Holy Spirit, reveal to us the truth. Show us Jesus. Help us understand this revelation. Give us wisdom. This is the kind of prayer that Paul is praying, a proactive prayer, prayed in faith, believing that God will do what God promised he's going to do. Holy Spirit, continue the work you started at our conversion so that we might have this deeper, fuller, more complete understanding of your work. One of the guys I like to read about, um, another scholar, R.C. Sproul, says this, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation refers to the work of the Spirit to help all the people of God understand the things of God. And I really like this quote, but I would have changed it one thing, and that would be to say, help all the people of God understand all the things of God. That we have the ability to understand in the Spirit all of God. And we're praying a proactive prayer that says, help me have that wisdom and knowledge. Help my friends have that knowledge. Help my children have that knowledge. Proactive prayer. God wants us to know all of Him. And He wants us to pray about that. And then He wants to reveal Himself to us. These are the great apostolic prayers. They pray these big, giant themes and they look to the future and say, God's promises are going to be fulfilled. Let's pray about it. Let's ask Him to fulfill those promises and trust Him to do that. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's just one verse in this prayer. I'm going to look at the next verse just to give you an, uh, another example. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. This prayer says, Lord, op open my heart to the truth. Enlighten me so I know hope. You know, we live in a world that's so dark and so chaotic sometimes, I don't know about you, but I just feel like beat up until my hope starts to wane. God, help us to know the hope of our calling. Help us not to let go of that so that we will know this inheritance that you've given to us, an inheritance the Bible describes as never spoiling, never perishing, never fading. To know this inheritance. God, help me pray prayers like that. Is that a great prayer? And I'm wondering if you'd be interested in praying that kind of prayer. Okay, maybe. Here's what I'm going to suggest. By the end of this message, you're going to be praying that. And within the next four or five weeks, some of you here sitting in this room right now are going to stand up and say it out loud in our community. We're going to pray the apostolic prayers out loud together. This is the target we're shooting at for all of this. And just in case you need a, a little more motivation, I think there is some reaction or some responsive things that lead to these kinds of prayers. And I've got a little statistic to show you. This came from a study that came out in March of this year. So it's one of the latest studies. And it shows that 29%, almost one in three of our children are facing severe mental health struggles. And these have to do with things like depression and anxiety and fear. 
thoughts of suicide, wrestling with sexual identity. I mean, these are real mental health challenges that one out of three of our kids are wrestling with right now. Now, that statistic maybe motivates you a little bit to say, yeah, I'm going to pray a reactive prayer. Lord, help them. Lord, protect them. Lord, keep them safe. Yeah, I'm going to pray those kind of reactive prayers. But what if I prayed a more bold prayer, a more proactive prayer that said, God, help our children know you. Help them have hope in the middle of a world that's sucking all the hope out of them. Help them to understand the truth of God's word. Help them to know the truth and not be misled by lies. That, that motivates me a little bit. But then I get motivated even more when I look around the room and I see the face of our kids. And I see Zadok and I see Anna. I get to see Anna almost every day and she's got the sweetest little face. But I can't help but want to pray, help Anna know the hope of her calling. Help her to know Jesus Christ fully. And I see Hans, I see him quite a bit too, and he's got a cute little face also. Um, help Hans to know the hope of his calling. Help him to know who Jesus Christ is. And I look around, I see the face of all these little kids. Brooklyn, help Brooklyn know the hope of her calling. And you can immediately think of your own kids, you think of your grandkids, you think of your neighborhood kids. We want to pray proactive prayers for the people that we love so that they will know Christ fully. That's what this little series is all about. And I'm going to give you a couple more practical instructions and then we're going to practice this together for the first time. The first practical kind of application is this. When you go through the passage, you've got your little outline out now, you're all looking at the back of it, you're looking at the verses that are listed there. The first practical suggestion is go slow. Don't rush through it. Oftentimes we read things like we read texts. We read them quick. Linger over every phrase in there. Take your time. And as you're going through the passage, then pay attention. What is it saying? And how is it impacting you? What are you noticing going on in you, in your heart? You know, we're praying, God, enlighten my heart. Open my heart up to what you have to say. And when the Spirit gives you a prompting or a, a push in a certain direction, like a particular phrase jumps out at you, well then dwell on that phrase and pray on that phrase. Or the Spirit might prompt you to go to another passage in Scripture from that phrase. Then go to that passage, go to that biblical story, go to that truth and pray that truth. So we're listening, we're, we're moving slowly, we're paying attention, we're open to the Holy Spirit. So one of the fascinating things about praying these particular prayers is that you can pray the same prayer, the same passage, over and over and over again, and every time you pray it, the Holy Spirit will prompt something different. And oftentimes this means he's going to prompt you to think about a particular person, a specific organization, a particular issue that you're wrestling with, that God will show you who to cover with this prayer. So we pay attention to the Spirit's prompting and then we pray where the Spirit leads us. We pray for the person the Spirit led us to. And then the final step is repeat. Just keep doing it over and over through these passages, verse by verse, phrase by phrase, paying attention to what's there and paying attention to the Holy Spirit prompting you. 
That's what we're going to do. So I'm going to invite you to do that right now while I lead us in a prayer time. So I want you to look at your verse there, Ephesians 1, 15 to 18. And if you've got a pencil or something, to make a note of where the Spirit is leading you. What phrases jump out, underline it. A name that comes to mind, a group that comes to mind, write them in the little blanks, and then we apply the particular verses to those particular people or situations. Okay? And I'm going to lead us, but you're going to pray along with me, and um, let's pray this apostolic prayer together. Dear Lord God, we come to you this morning, and I want to begin by giving thanks and thanking you, God, for the faith of these good people. God, I see that you're working here in our community, you're working with us. I see that because almost every day I see examples of the love that you've given them for each other, the love for all the saints. God, help us to grow even more and more in our faith and in our love for each other. God, I, I just can't give you enough thanks in all of my prayers when I think of specific individuals or certain faces even jump into my mind of people who have touched my life and have impacted me because of their faith and because of their love and their faithfulness. So thank you for that, God. And so I pray that we may grow in a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. That we would be the kind of people who more and more know who Jesus is. That we more and more follow after Jesus. Jesus said, come follow me. And our whole journey of discipleship is simply learning to follow. So God, give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding of what it means to follow you. And God, not just when we sit here together on a Sunday morning, but help us to know how we can follow you day by day, step by step, that we would have wisdom and knowledge of following you in our school, in our workplace, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. God, that we would grow more and more wise and more and more understanding of the ways we are called to live out our faith. God, I praise that, that the eyes of our hearts would be open, that our, our understanding would be deepened, our understanding would grow in fullness so that we would know hope. We would know the hope of our calling. So that, God, as we look out into this world with all of its chaos and all of its darkness, we would know that we have hope, that we have light that shines out into the darkness and that this light cannot be extinguished from the darkness. So open the eyes of our hearts to see the overwhelming power of your light and your love shining out into this dark, chaotic world. God, help us to know the riches of the glory of our inheritance that comes as we follow you that we have give, been given every spiritual blessing in Christ, that we have everything that we need to live out our life of faith, and that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we can live it out in a way that shines in this darkness. God, I want to pray specifically for our children, for my grandson, for students who are facing this darkness and for the despair that they feel. I pray, God, that you would protect them. But even more than that, that, God, you would help them to grow in their knowledge and understanding of Jesus. That they would know that their hope is in Jesus and in, in Jesus alone. And that they would learn to walk in that hope, the hope of their calling. That they would grow into it more day by day by day. And that we would be the kind of people who would encourage them in that walk. That we would pray proactively for them to grow in their knowledge of Jesus. God, I thank you that we can come to you and cry out to you with these uh, prayers and we know that you've 
heard them. Thank you, God, for listening and for answering them. We stand on the promises that you make to us so that we may know you fully. And we pray these things together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.